0: good morning morning. it's good to see you it's very good to see you Um, I very much appreciate Casey's prayer Um, I just kind of want to continue it a a little bit Um, father we come before you um, as a as a living sacrifice We present our bodies to you. We present our minds to you. This is our spiritual act of worship. God, in light of uh, all the many mercies and blessings you've given to us, we say to you, here is our attention, here are our ears, here is our mind to process what you have for us today. Here are our very lives that, that we might be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So uh, we consider and we apply your scripture, your word, now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're starting this uh, new series on the book of Acts, and I have been very much looking forward to this series. And there's a whole, there's a lot of background, I think, that's really good and interesting, but we just, we don't really have a lot of the time to go into that. So um, I encourage you, this is like a plug here for, uh, we do a weekly podcast called The 167. It's in our Porch Community Church podcast. Um, And so we're going to be dedicating our time to going into a little more of the historical uh, background of all that. So I encourage you to go and look at, or watch excuse me, listen to the podcast. Um, if you watch it, there'll just be like a bar going across with like people talking. So, um, but go and listen to that if, if you are, if you kind of want to nerd out with us a little bit on the book of Acts, because that's what we'll be doing. But okay, so turn to Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It's always a good place to start when you're doing a study of a book. It's chapter 1, verse 1. And what we find out right away is that the book of Acts is actually a second parter. It's, it's the second part. The book of Acts was written by Luke, and Luke wrote Luke, yeah, the gospel of Luke, right? And we know this because he says here in the very beginning, he says, in my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions Through the Holy Spirit. So the key word here is began. The work of Christ is not over. He's not just doing a historical reference. He's saying God's at work. This was just Jesus began this work. I'm about to record and tell you what more has gone on. So Jesus began this. Jesus is teaching this through the Holy Spirit. The, The work of Christ is still happening. God is still working in lives. Amen. Okay? And so God still works through the Holy Spirit. He's still present. He's still working and dwelling in us, empowering us. So we know this, uh, the first part of verse 3, and this is where we kind of go, hold on a minute, I thought I read something else. Verse 3, it says, Luke's writing, he says, during the 40 days, talking about Jesus, after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. Now see, the gospel of Luke and Matthew, Mark, and John, all we know from their account, and this isn't a, con- it's not a contradiction, it's just we're getting more detail now. The four gospel accounts say that uh, Jesus met with him, them at the, the Mount of Olives, and he talked to them, he gave, he gave some words to them, and then he ascended, What Acts is, is it tells us what happens between when after Easter, the resurrected Jesus appeared and was among his friends and and others for 40 days. Acts begins with what happened during those 40 days. We don't get that account in the Gospels much at all. So these are the 40 days that are going on. Um, Second part of verse 3. And so he's appeared to them, and then it says, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Because obviously, if someone has died and everyone has seen this happen, there's going to be some skepticism as to whether he truly died or if he truly was resurrected. I mean, there's there's some some questioning there, and so the the uh, the. I don't know, the evidence that Luke is, is presenting here is that he, he showed up and he, he proved to them in many ways. Some of your versions might say um, infallible proofs or uh, convincing proofs, and I, I love how that's worded. But he, he showed up to them, and, and he, he was real, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So uh, after Jesus rises from the dead... He saw them for 40 days, and these were these infallible proofs. You cannot refute this. This was fact. He showed up. See, here's the deal: if one person experiences something kind of kind of out, outrageous, like someone died, and then you but then you saw them three days later and they were alive, if one person witness that you're like oh okay (laughs) you know um if two or three people you're kind of like conspiracy theory tinfoil hats what's going on right and and but then if it's more people and more people and more people you have to stop and go what's going on This was part of it all. This was part of the beginning of the message of Jesus going out. Because without the resurrection, he was just a really good teacher, an amazing teacher, a miracle worker, a prophet, if you will. But without the resurrection, the the rest of the scriptures are not fulfilled. He had to rise from the dead. And so now there are these infallible proofs, these convincing proofs that he really was who he says he was. And it wasn't just, here's a couple of examples I'll give to you. I mean, because um, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.6. I don't know if I have it there for you to read, but 1 Corinthians 15.6, it says that Jesus appeared to over 500 people after the resurrection. So the resurrected Jesus appeared to over 500 people all at one time. So there were at least 500 people gathered and Jesus appeared to all of them. That's hard to refute. Okay. And if that's a conspiracy, then you've got a lot of people that are lying. And then, you know, no one's going to keep that secret. That's not going to happen. So it's like this, this proof, this truth. Another example, Jesus shows up in the room. You have this in the scriptures where he shows up in the room where his followers are gathered. But he just appears in the room like he didn't climb through a window. He didn't knock on the door. They're there. The door's closed. Suddenly Jesus is among them. He's among them. They saw him. Another time, he spoke to them, and so they were hearing with their ears words that he's saying. And many people are seeing this and hearing this together. Thomas touched his hands and his side after the resurrection. These are the, these are the uh, as the New Living Translation says, he proved to them in many ways. These are the infallible truths, proofs of who Jesus is. Um, now, John, the Apostle John, he was one of them. And this is what he says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, so think about this. These are the proofs of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. This is what was going on those 40 days that he was among them. He writes, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen saw him with our own eyes, we've touched him with our own hands, he is the word of life. This is the infallible proof of who Jesus is. So 40 days, Jesus shows up, teaches them, hangs out with them, eats with them. In, Acts, in, in verse 4, we know this, it says that once when he was eating with them, so he's actually sharing a meal with them, the resurrected Jesus is having a meal with them, and it says he commanded them Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Now, if you have read your Bible at all, or kind of even paid attention a little bit to a little bit of teaching, if you go back in your knowledge to the end of the gospel accounts, what we find is Jesus is saying to his disciples to go into all the world. Right, Go in all the world and preach the gospel. Go in and baptize. Go and tell them and go out further, 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 further. We call that the great commission. Good job. Jesus says go. But remember, the book of Acts is giving us detail of what happened from when Jesus was resurrected on Easter morning for 40 days until he ascended to heaven. And we don't get all of that information from the gospel accounts. So we're getting this. I mean, this is like... If you've ever wondered like, wow, what really happened or what must it have really been like? Friends, this is why we're doing this series in the book of Acts. Because we get to find out what it was really like. We get to see what it was really, what was really happening. So in verse 5, or excuse me, yeah, he says, Jesus says go, but don't go yet. All right. He tells them to wait. He says, "Wait, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift He promised." That's what verse four says. And then here's the promise, verse five: John baptized with water. They knew who John was—John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus. Like they, he baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We call this Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers and they were equipped, they were empowered to go and do the work. Right? So Jesus is saying, wait here and you're going to get the necessary equipment to do the work of Jesus. I don't know if that's the right way to do it. But this is what he has for the followers to do. Now, the heading in your Bibles might call the book of Acts the Acts of the Apostles, which is... I mean, it's, a, it's not inaccurate in any way because you get into the later chapters and that's exactly what's going on. Um, a whole lot of learned scholars agreed on that to the extent that it's a heading of a lot of our Bibles. But I really think, uh, and I'm not alone in this thinking at all, that perhaps a better heading would be the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Because the book of Acts is about the Holy Spirit. The book of the central figure, the central uh, main character of the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does through various people in various places, and it goes further and further out as you read into the book. The Holy Spirit is there. Over 50 times you read about the Holy Spirit here in this. And so this is why I say that and why I bring it up, because... Um, I don't know your background. I don't know, you know, where you come from or or all that regarding the Holy Spirit. But friends, we don't need to be uncomfortable reading about, talking about, or magnifying the Holy Spirit of God. We don't need to be uncomfortable about that. Now, there are definitely some mixed um, opinions or ideas regarding the Holy Spirit. You know. Um, Some are kind of like, give me more and more and more, yes, yes, yes. And if there's not shamala hamilas and all that, then then it's just dead and nothing's happening. But, and, and I think that's an imbalanced view. And then there's the other end. It's like, I don't want to hear about it. Like, I don't even want to talk about it. Um it's like this this a fear uh, i don't know if it's a lack of control i don't know what it is but it's kind of like this this dispensational retreat like okay yes the holy spirit worked in the book of acts but that was the end period we're not going to talk about it anymore right and that's totally imbalanced as well both extremes miss something so i don't want us to be afraid of lifting up and magnifying the holy spirit of god because in the everyday life of a christian in the everyday life, if you're a follower of Jesus, in the everyday life of a Christian, God the Holy Spirit must be as highly regarded as God the Father and God the Son. Must be. The Holy Spirit must be recognized by you, Christian. The Holy Spirit must be recognized by you as a as, uh, as necessary to you as much as God, the father is to you and as much as God, the son is to you must be. These are the words of Jesus before he was arrested, before he was crucified. So we're, we're going back. We're doing a flashback here. This is what he said about the Holy spirit. Uh, When he uh, so in, Verse 4 of Acts 1, when he says, as I told you before, this is where he told us before, okay? John chapter 16, verse 5. I want to read you this little section here. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, but now, this is, again, this is pre-being arrested, crucified, and, and killed, okay? He says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you, which of course they are. But he says, and he makes this point really clear. And this is why I say to us like, we don't need to be, we shouldn't be afraid of or uh, unwilling to listen or learn or talk about or lift up the Holy Spirit of God. Because this is what Jesus says in verse 7 of John 16. He says, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. See, he's telling his disciples to go out, right? In Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria to the ends of the world. But just because they go out in obedience doesn't mean they go and bring conviction of sin. That's that's the Holy Spirit of God who works in the heart of a person saying, You don't have to keep living this way. I've got something greater for you. I've got something better for you. I have life and hope and promise for you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit that speaks to us. That's the work of the Holy Spirit that gives us a hunger. That's the work of the Holy Spirit that when we are maybe in every aspect of our life, everything looks perfect and in line and we're doing well and the bank account's good and relationships are good and everything's great, but still there's something inside of us that's going, I don't know, there's got to be something more. That's the Holy Spirit of God giving you a hunger and a desire for something that you cannot attain on your own. You can't. Jesus is saying, He's got to come. I've got, I'm gonna go away. The Holy Spirit is gonna come. He says in verse 8, I'll read it again, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness. So it's like the, the reality of sin and the hope for a life without sin, it becomes apparent to us. Verse 9, Jesus is still talking. This is pre-arrest, crucifixion, and death. He says the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. So all of this is being set forth and made clear. There's God, there's sin, there's our separation from him, and the only way is through Jesus, and the only way to be empowered into this life is by his Holy Spirit. Verse 12, I love this. Jesus, this is, remember this is before. He says, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. You ain't ready for this. There's so much I want to tell you. But verse 13, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. See, some of us think, well, what's the Holy Spirit going to say? What's he going to do? Is he like some rebel, like out doing his own thing? Like, no, he's speaking on behalf of God. He is the third person of God. This is the voice of God. This is when someone says, I heard from the Lord, or I felt like the Lord told me. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory. This is Jesus talking. He will bring me glory. This is the connection of the Trinity. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. And then he says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. It's all connected. So Jesus told them about the coming Holy Spirit. He said, but you're not ready yet. You need the Holy Spirit there's so much more I want to tell you, but you need the Holy Spirit in order to understand it and in order to carry it out. You need the Holy Spirit to do this, to be able to do, to be able to speak, to be able to function as my ambassadors to the world. And so now, back to chapter, to Acts chapter 1. And so here we have the resurrected Jesus. So flash forward, current moment. The resurrected Jesus says to his followers, the Holy Spirit is coming. Verse 8, but you will receive power. So that means they were powerless, just in case you didn't pick up on that. And I just wonder how often as Christians we are, we are powerless. We are without power. We are disconnected. We have no expectation whatsoever for the Holy Spirit of God to work through us, in us, anything. We don't. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now there's this whole thing about like the the preposition here of how the Holy Spirit works. I'm going to talk about that this this week in, in the podcast because it's very interesting to me. But it is definitely like a little like... Um, I don't know, grammar nerd out a little bit. Um, but it's so cool the way you see, the different ways you see the Holy Spirit working. But we read here in verse 8 how the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be, this is the promise. He's now, we're hearing the promise of the, the point of it all. So you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Sound familiar? Right. This is this is what's happening. He's saying you're going to have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to work in you. You're going to be empowered to be able to do this. Now there is com- there, there's conversation, there's debate, there's translation, interpretation of the ways in which the Holy Spirit works. Right. Like I said, we're going to go into it more. Does He work in us? Does He work on us? Does He work with us? And the short, simple answer is yes. Yeah. Here's a question that um, I was struck with Friday. It's, it's so funny because I, I sent kind of my final, where I think I'm going with this, to Justin and Josh. And then, probably within five minutes, it was like, nope, you know. Um, this, because this question just was there Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna ask this question of of all of you, of all believers. If you're a believer, if you're starting trying to figure this thing out, you're probably going, what are we talking about today? Listen, this is the work of God. This is how he works in our world. So, but this is a question for believers. Okay. And and my my prayer, I was just praying it before I came out here. It was I was praying in the office, I was praying it back here in the hallway. My prayer was that there wouldn't be any like. I don't know, I just kind of was <laughs> praying like envisioning like that there's no uh, like I'm going to say these words and I don't want them to like just bounce off some of y'all's head or off your heart, but that you would receive them. Because depending on like what your background is, your understanding or whatever, the Holy Spirit, some of you might, I might say these what I'm about to ask you and it might just go ping, pink and shoot off. ping, bing, you know, gone, that's... And I I just, I think we need to be willing to hear the question, okay? Have I built up enough, like, you wonder what the question is? Okay. (laughs) I wasn't intentionally doing that, but uh, I now realize that that's what... Have you ever, ever, have you ever asked the Holy Spirit of God the third person of the Trinity, have you ever asked the Holy Spirit of God, the one whom Jesus sent to you, believer, have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to equip you? Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit of God to work in you and through you? Have you ever actually prayed those words and said, Holy Spirit of God, will you work in me? It's a simple enough question, I know that. But what it implies is huge for a believer. Have you ever asked the third person of God to work in your life? And the reason I say that is because I pray sometimes and I'm like, dear God. And I'm talking to God the Father. And other times I'm like, oh, please, Lord Jesus. And I'm talking to Jesus. Have you, believer, follower of Jesus, ever said, Holy Spirit of God, will you work in me? Will you work through me? Will you empower me the way you empowered your, uh, your disciples? There in that room that we're going to look at in the next couple of weeks on Pentecost. Have you ever prayed that specific of a prayer? Now, many, many of us have hang-ups about what this implies. I get that. But have you ever invited the Holy Spirit to work in your life? Now, I'm not saying, and I'm not saying this, but I'm going to say that I'm not saying it just to make sure. I'm not saying you've missed some step in the salvation process if you haven't prayed this prayer. I don't even know exactly what that prayer looks like. But I'm just saying, if you have said yes to Jesus, you're a believer, okay? So I'm not saying you've missed a step. But just as you would pray and ask Jesus to minister to you, just as you would pray and ask God to show you direction or to answer a specific prayer, I'm asking you if you've ever even considered, thought about asking the Holy Spirit of God to work in your life. Jesus didn't want his disciples to go anywhere and do anything in his name until they were given the Holy Spirit. So that's why I asked the question, Now, we can get into a lot of doctrinal, theological things going, well, but when I said yes to Jesus, didn't I receive the Holy Spirit? Yes, I totally, completely, 1,000% believe that, that that from Pentecost on, the work of the Holy Spirit happens in a way that we don't understand. But still, I go back to the question, if I'm going to pray to God and I'm going to pray to Jesus, why am I not asking the Holy Spirit more to be working? It's like we ignore them. And yet, it is the third person of God who is amongst us. Anytime you get that, like, I need to call so-and-so. I just feel like I need to call them right now. Friends, I, I don't want to, I got to be careful here. I'm not going, that ain't Jesus. It, that's the Holy Spirit of God telling you to do that, whether you recognize that or not. Like, in the, the, the world, the timeline that you and I live in, we live in the Holy Spirit time. God and Jesus are there in heaven, and they are working on our behalf, and it has all been set up, and, and his righteousness is now made available to us through the work of Jesus, but we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's who we have. I mean, the, the disciples had Mary and Joseph and some of his family had 33 years with them. The disciples and the followers had three years and, four, and a month or two with them. Like in the flesh, like that. We have the Holy Spirit. That's who we have. This is the time in which the Lord had us be here on this earth. So have you ever asked him, God, Holy Spirit, God, would you work in me? Would you make me aware? Would you make me sensitive to your leading and your direction? Would you convict me of my sin? Remember that prayer we prayed together a few weeks ago? Lord, create in me a clean heart. Show me if there's any way in me that's just gross to you. That's the Shannon translation of that one. But when we ask that, we're asking for the Holy Spirit to do that work. So Jesus didn't want his disciples to go anywhere without this. Verse 8, don't go anywhere until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was necessary for Jesus' followers to do God's work. See, so you see all three of them in there? The Holy Spirit was necessary for the followers of Jesus to do God's work, the Father. So Jesus says to them, when the Holy Spirit is upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So the message of Acts, and this is where I want to kind of bring it to a little bit of practicality for us i want to I want to do my part to help equip you, but this is this is the holy Spirit's work, okay? but I want to just point it out for us. Um, the message of Acts is showing us how the powerful message of the gospel went out. I mean, we've done it before, but if you ever stopped and marveled and thought, how is it that today in 2023 we're talking about some moments and some events and some conversations that occurred thousands of years ago, and yet we are now focused on it and leaning in and looking at it? It's not because the, the apostles, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, because they were so awesome. It's because the Holy Spirit worked through them. It's because the Holy Spirit worked he works through them. And what we see Luke doing in the book of Acts, I see this. I think the reason we get this detail is because I, I, I see that he's inviting us into the narrative. He's inviting us to participate in what the followers of Jesus participated in there. That's, that's my hope as we go through this book of Acts together, is that we will see ourselves in the narrative. We'll see how, this, how we live into this today. See, the, the followers of Jesus, they did what Jesus told them to do. And you know what he told them to do? He said, go back to Jerusalem and wait. There's nothing supernatural about saying, hey, go, go up to Macon and wait. <laughs> right? There's nothing like that takes, that you just, okay, you get in your car and you drive there, right? Go to Jerusalem and wait. That's so not a supernatural. Here's why I think that's an important thing to point out. Um, there's nothing supernatural about going to Jerusalem, gathering for prayer. They even chose another apostle while they did that. And, and I think that's the point in this. They didn't go out and immediately act in presumption. They didn't take these huge leaps of faith on, hey, Jesus said he's going to give us the Holy Spirit, so let's go do something. You know, they, they waited. He said wait, so they waited. and they, they just did what he said to do. They took the next natural step. Because they, if they were the Mountain Olives whenever he said this, and he said, go to Jerusalem and wait, whatever path that was, that's the path they took. It's a very natural way for them to go. I, I point that out, okay? Are you waiting on God to do something? Maybe you've been praying, God, would you do this? Jesus, would you do this? I'm not saying those are bad prayers. Those are great prayers. Maybe you're, you're expecting him to show up. Are you, maybe you're wondering if he's going to do what he has promised to do. You've received the promise, but it's not come to fruition yet. Maybe you find yourself in that place. I look at what the, his, his followers did in that moment, and what do they do? One, they went to the place Jesus told them to go. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait, so they did. While they were there, they stayed connected to one another. They didn't all go back and go home. I mean, they, they were purposely meeting together. They were expectant. They met together and prayed and waited for that promised Holy Spirit. They were together, though. There was no isolation. They weren't doing their own thing. They were together. So they went where Jesus told them to go. Nothing supernatural about that. They got together and met, okay? They just did. And see, sometimes we think, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to be really involved and convoluted, all that. But then they just, and then they asked, God, send. Send your Holy Spirit as you said you would. Send your kingdom. So I look at the book of Acts, and as we begin on this journey following this book, what my, my hope is, is that... Each of us, like we're, we're compelled to, to do an act and expect God, to, for us to do an act what, and, and act out, carry out whatever it is we can do, but to do it with an expectation that, that God's going to equip us. Does that make sense? Probably should have written that clearer in my notes, but. We'll do our part, but we do it with an expectancy. Of God to work in us but I go back to that question friends have you asked have you said because I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is absent from your life but I'm saying have you invited him have you invited him to actually like move and speak and lead and 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 speak maybe scripture to you in a way that you've read it a million times before but now suddenly it's alive Have you asked that question? I want to repeat something I said earlier. The Holy Spirit must be recognized by you and be necessary to you as much as God the Father is and just as Jesus Christ the Son is. In just a moment, we're going to celebrate um, the decision of several people to, to boldly proclaim their faith um, in Jesus Christ through baptism. And the imagery, and I don't want to steal anything Justin's going to say, but the Holy Spirit is at work in the waters of baptism. It's a beautiful example of, of the continuation of, of, uh, of the work of God in our lives. I mean, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, it said it it was as if a dove came and appeared above him. Like this imagery of the Holy Spirit of God. This is one of those steps in obedience to following after him. And so that's a step of obedience and faith. Maybe today, maybe today's that, that day you need to take a step of faith. Maybe today is a day where you say yes to Jesus for the very first time. Because you've just been kind of going, I'm not sure, I don't know. But maybe today is the day you call on his name. Maybe today is the day you confess your sin and you say, Father, thank you for Jesus who has forgiven my sins. And thank you for your Holy Spirit who will now work in and through me to be a witness for you in the world. Or maybe, maybe it's just time for you to take your faith seriously. Like you are a believer, you are a Christian, right? But maybe today is like Jesus was resurrected. Maybe your faith is resurrected, right? Maybe it's the, the day to ask the Holy Spirit to, to fill you, to work through you. Because I promised you this, and it's not my promise, I, it's the promise I see from Scripture. But when you pray and ask God the Holy Spirit, you pray that with sincerity. You ask him to work in your life, you will see him work in your life. You will. Absolutely no doubt. You will. You will see him working in circumstances and situations that you did not notice before. You will see him leading you and teaching you and empowering you and giving you a boldness that you did not have before. So wherever you are on your journey of faith, I would say this, don't let the day go by without coming before our God. Isn't that a good plan? For us to make it count, not waste it. Surrender to him. See what glorious things he does. Let's pray together. Lord, Thank you that, that we, uh, too, like your, your first disciples, huh, thank you that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the helper, the, the advocate, the one who comes to equip us. God, I pray that you would work in and through us. And in doing so, God, that your word goes, yes, out in our community, for sure. But, you know, that's our Jerusalem. Um, in our Judea, in our Samaria, to the ends of the earth, wherever you take us. But may it be so, God. May you use us, Lord, as we go back out with our family, with our friends, in our workplace, at school. But Father, would your Holy Spirit be the desire of each and every heart here today? No fear, no presumption, just an expectation of you to work in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.